talk about a wet little kumquat. That was me. Oh. With that scene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey y'all, welcome to I'll Show You Mine, a weekly podcast where two pals talk about rom-coms and horror. I'm your host, Kelly. And I'm Olivia. (laughs) And this week, we are really getting into some immersive experiences. We're diving deep (laughs) for our (laughs) rom-com. Olivia brought us Austin Land. And for our horror movie, I brought Midsummer. So... Because I just finished watching it and I'm so fucking pumped. We're going to talk first about Austin Land. So, <laughs> Olivia, what is your experience with Austin Land? Had you seen it before we picked it for the pod? So, I had never even heard of it. I did not know it existed. And when we started <laughs> frantically researching stuff for the podcast, it kept popping up. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll look it up. And I watched it, I think, before we did the first episode, maybe. I don't remember. Watched it, loved it, <laughs> told you so many times how much I loved it. And then I recently rewatched it just because I wanted to rewatch it. And then I realized pretty shortly after I rewatched it that we were schedule wise going to watch it again. So I've watched it like three times, I think, in a month, maybe a month and a half. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and you have only watched it once and you like literally just finished it like 30 minutes ago. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I just finished it. I knew nothing about this movie except for you loved it. You told me it was an immersive, like, you know, really into Jane Austen kind of thing. You told me that it was a story that had to do with like, you know, are people really into something or is it like for the show? And so I was like, okay, okay. I'm interested. And so then we decided to pair it with Midsummer because, you know, cults are an immersive experience. (laughs) Think about it. Um, (laughs) What, uh, what are your thoughts on, how do you feel about Jane Austen? Like what's your experience with her as a writer, but also the movies? Cause you know, they like to make, they like to make a good Jane Austen movie. So I actually have very limited experience with Jane Austen. She seems great. Um, But we don't know each other very well. So... (laughs) I tried to read Pride and Prejudice in high school when I was supposed to, and I hated it. Um, I just don't, I just don't always like the whole, like, he's an asshole, but like, I love the banter. Sometimes I don't want the banter. Like, just stop being such a fucking asshole. Like, yeah, I just, yeah, I wasn't into Darcy. Um, and I haven't tried to read any of her other works. I'm trying to think of if I've seen any of the Pride and Prejudice movies. Wait, did we watch the one that had? Yes, we watched the one that had Kira Knightley in it, didn't we? Yes, I think we have watched that one. I think we watched that one. I don't think I've watched any of the others. Yeah, I don't know if I've watched the Colin Firth one, although I've seen him in other romantic comedies and I guess dramas, so it counts. You see one Colin Firth, you see them all. We've seen him in Bridget Jones, we've seen him in Love Actually. We're good. That's it. like the same guy. Yeah. Yeah. Same guy. Um, I've obviously watched the Kira Knightley one and I've watched that Anne Hathaway movie where I think she's playing Jane Austen. Right. We watched that becoming Jane. I remember yes. being into that, but I don't remember a lot of what happened. I just remember being into it. We should, I think we should watch it. Maybe not even for the podcast, but just in real life. Because I remember James, James McAvoy's in it, right? Yeah. 
Oh, that's how you got me was because James McAvoy was in it. He's a yummy little tiny man. Um, Anyways, I think it ends up devastating. So I'm pretty sure that's how it goes. Maybe that's why I don't remember. Yeah, <laughs> I think it, it is sad. pretty devastating. Um, Yeah, but I didn't, I feel like the same. I did get into the books. I tried. I really tried. And I think I might have read Pride and Prejudice at least once, but um, I don't <laughs> think I really cared for it. But I like the... <laughs> again should have known I was asexual I like the longing I like the uh the like the fingertips touching you know the yes. that kind of stuff but I'm with you on the whole I don't want you being an asshole to be construed as flirting or the like the beauty and the beast thing you know all of that I think that's why I struggle with some type of romance novels because sometimes they lean really heavy into that stereotype and I'm like I cannot get into this character when they Mm -hmm. seem like such a d-bag yeah yeah definitely and like I also really like movies that have the longing um but the ones that I like I feel like they actually liked each other (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's true. Yeah, like some of the weren't, they weren't being like mean to each other. There was longing, but it's like I like when there's longing, but something's keeping them apart. And it's not that one of them's an asshole, you know. Like there's yeah. there's another reason that they're longing for each other and can't like have each other. Yeah, yeah there's like a war, or um, the horse is sick and they can't <laughs> see each other. I don't know. <laughs> you know, depending on the time period. That's how you know it's a tragedy. Yeah. One of them is a priest. Like, I don't know, something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yes. Okay. So Austin Land, generally, I'm going to give you a general overview of the plot. Um, Carrie Russell is, I guess the word would be obsessed. She's a huge fan of Jane Austen. And I would say not even just Jane Austen, but like Mr. Darcy. Like, it seems like it's one of, it, it's yeah. like, yeah, it's, I mean, Because she doesn't talk about all of Jane Austen's novels all the time. A lot of it has to do with Mr. Darcy. Um, And has like a cutout of him. It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. So she's a huge fan and wants to go on this uh, immersive experience where you're living in the time period of Jane Austen. And not just living in the time period, but like living in one of the novels. So you're going to be mm-hmm. wearing the outfits, you're going to do a whole thing. And it is expensive. And so the movie opens up with her friend really giving her shit about wanting to go on this trip. And like, whatever, if your friend is making a huge financial decision that you're like, hey, are you going to be able to eat? when you come home like that's one thing but her friend is just like you're a dumbass why are you doing this like it's so weird (laughs) it comes off really hateful and I just didn't understand why the friend was going so hard about this um it wasn't as if she was (laughs) for uh not to be silly and make too many connections but it's not like she was going off and joining a cult um Right, exactly. She's gonna be gone for like what a week, two weeks. Yeah, I think especially because like the friend had made that comment of like you should save it for other important things. It's like, oh, well, maybe this for right now is the most important thing to her. Yeah. Why does it matter? Very strange. So she obviously decides to go anyway, and uh, up at the airport, she meets up with the one of the other people who are who's gonna be there, which is Jennifer Coolidge. Her mm-hmm. character's name is. 
I don't remember what her first name is supposed to be. It's Miss Charming. But um, we quickly realized that there are different levels to the packages depending on what you paid for. So there's already this classist element of like <laughs> her char- Carrie Russell's character, ironically named Jane. Jane is in like, what did you text me? The orphan, the orphan package, the orphan. Yeah, I was like, I didn't realize she got the poor orphan girl package and they made her wear a brown dress and everything. I was like, whoa. Very, very plain. I almost said plain Jane. This is, it's too much on the nose at times, but that's the beauty of rom-com. So along with being in this immersive experience, you're also supposed to experience romance like there would be in a Jane Austen novel, of course, within reason which wouldn't that be a great movie if this was actually with full service sex workers oh then it would be like this combined with like the wedding date that's what i'm saying yeah it writes itself okay writes itself so sorry though that's not what happens in this one um (laughs) so there's different men that are there and you it almost kind of also feels like murder mystery in the sense that you don't know who is assigned to you as a paying customer of like which one of these men is like meant for you or all of that and that kind of thing and so jane is going through this experience i don't know if her if her intention is to like purge herself of this obsession or being a huge fan or if she just at this point still wants to go because she's just there so you think that she is going to end up with one person then you think she's gonna end up with another person and you think like it goes back and forth throughout the whole movie and you really have to decide even while you're watching it what is real and what isn't because there were times what the first time I watched it I was like I really not sure or I felt really confident and then realized that that was not what was happening yeah I don't want to say too much more because I want to like talk about specific scenes and I have been dying to tell you some of these facts about both the movie and people in the movie. So I just want to say a couple of things that jumped out at me um, before you tell me your fun facts. Um, First of all, that was the ugliest fucking dress I've ever seen that her friend made her. Was that just like (laughs) way of bullying her friend was like, oh, I made you this cute dress. You're going to look like shit. I know. It looked like a magician's (laughs) gown. Like it and when her friend hands her the gown when she's about to go and she opens it, she goes, what time period do you think I'm going to? And her friend's like, I spent three days on this. And it's like, you didn't spend 10 minutes Googling when Jane Austen was alive. Seriously. (laughs) It was sad. Um, But okay. So just like vibes wise, I loved the music when heaven on earth started playing. Oh my God. I was so excited. And then later, later they played uh, that Betty Davis eyes song. Oh my God. I wrote multiple times in my notes. I love the music. I love the music. I just felt like I just, I felt like I was being whisked away to England. I don't know. Like I was just having such a good time. The music was great. I had just had those Wendy's chicken nuggets. And like, I was just, I was I was on a high, you know, it was wonderful. Uh, um, I thought it was wild how quickly you know, she was sorted away into like her like poor girl garb. Um, her room was cuter than I thought it was going to be, though. I kind of thought they were going to put her like in a in a closet or something. Yeah, same. Whenever they like pan to show the room and the woman was like, here's the copper basic package or whatever it is. It was uh-huh. still a very nice room. It was it not was cute as fuck. Yeah, it was very nice. But they did. They dressed her like an actual potato the whole time yeah it was very strange 
And then, um, yeah, I definitely, like you had talked about feeling like you were being bounced back and forth. I definitely felt that way because like whenever she first gets picked up by, um, Martin, um, I put like driver guys, cute, cool. And I thought he was cute, but like, I don't know, like it did feel like something about him was almost like too, like his lines. Right. Like, mm-hmm. um, like it was just like, I was like, huh, like that, damn, that's pretty good. And like, at first I just was like, wow, they have really good chemistry until the horse scene. And something about that baby horse just felt weird. And I was like, this just feels like a weird thing to just happen while they're together. And I yeah. thought to myself, like, there's no way they like intentionally had this like horse birth scene to get them together and then I was like whoa is Martin is Martin the one who's trying to like romance her right because like you think that it's you know Mr. I kept putting him as like Mr. Moody guy uh Mr. (laughs) Nobly Henry um did not know his name was Henry the whole movie did they say that whenever they say it at the end I was like oh okay okay your name's Henry because he's like my name is Henry and I was like is it (laughs) (laughs) this is first I'm hearing of this Henry um so yeah, anyways, I loved how like back and forth it was in the movie. And yeah, for most of the movie, I really couldn't tell. I was pretty sure that Henry also liked her. I just thought he was an actor who was paired with somebody else. I just thought maybe he also kind of had a crush on her. Um, so anyways, I had a great time watching it. And Jennifer Coolidge was hilarious. She was so, so, so funny. Um, and yeah. I am so excited to hear all of the the fun facts. Yes, she was perfect in it. I loved it. Um, I will definitely be rewatching it. I know we haven't gotten to the ranking system yet, but spoiler alert, I loved it. So it's probably going to be a high ranking. Okay. So very rewatchable. Like I know you had told me like, hey, this movie is rewatchable. Obviously you had rewatched it, but like, yes, this is going to be a very rewatchable movie. Yeah. Both for the music and just like the way the dialogue flows, like your, my brain can already like set up a rhythm of like, okay, I know how much longer I have in this movie because this is the part that it's at. And it's like, oh, kind of like she's the man. That's how she's the man is for me. This is, Mm -hmm. she's the man. Okay, so the movie came out in 2013, but it is based off of a book from 2007 um, by Shannon Hale, and I am so close to finishing this book, uh, the audiobook. I was like, you know what? Let's see if I can finish it before we do this episode. I got so close, and okay. they're so close. There are obviously a lot of similarities. Obviously, it's a book based or the movie's based on the book they changed a lot of things the biggest thing that is different between the movie and the book is that the way that she gets the money is that she has a wealthy relative who leaves her the money specifically for this trip and so it's not a situation where it's like oh my god i'm going to spend my my last penny on this trip because I'm such a huge fan. It's I had a relative who one of the last conversations that we have is how she wants me to live my life and not be stuck in the fantasy of fiction. And then she, (laughs) I love using this word. She bequeaths her in her will, (laughs) this, this trip to go to this uh, immersion experience. And it's three weeks long, which I think is interesting because I think in the movie, yeah, it's only supposed to be a week, but we're not doing an episode about the book. We're doing an episode about the movie. <laughs> okay. So uh, the book came out in 2007. And the director of this, Jerusha Hess, is the co-writer of Napoleon Dynamite. 
Shut your mouth. Really? I love Yes. that. I have been holding that in since I watched this the first time. It has been killing me. Apparently her and her husband, Jared, are like a, um, a writing, directing, producing team. And they did Napoleon Dynamite. He did Nacho Libre. She didn't do that one. But um, yes, that's one of the facts. Do you want to know who the producer of this uh, piece of media is? Yes. Stephanie fucking Meyer. Twilight Stephanie? The Stephanie Meyer. How the fuck did she get there? I don't know, but she how, produced this movie. How did, did she just wander onto this set? I do not know. Oh, well, okay. You said the book came out in 2007. What if yeah. she's the author? Um, yeah. You know, like maybe, yeah. maybe they're, they were in the same book. Yeah, like same spaces and such. Or, yeah. yeah, that's true. I have not done a deep dive into that whole thing because I was like, it was like nugget after nugget of little pieces of information i was like whoa 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 so i have not so taken aback by that information yeah i have not deep dived into that um the guy who plays mr nobly his name is jj i don't know if it's feld i don't think it's field because it's not spelled like field so maybe feld his partner is none other than the nev campbell (gasps) hot i want to see yeah (laughs) i know and they got together I think probably around the time that he was filming this movie. It says they've been together since 2012. Do you know if he's British or if that was just an accent? He is British. He He is is British. (laughs) (laughs) Fly me. Okay. (laughs) Yes. Ah. That's fun. Yes. So there's some fun little nuggets of information. Yeah, he is. Um, I also love that Carrie Russell is a couple years older than him. So I just thought that was a cute oh, thing. Not yeah, that they mentioned that in the movie, but yeah. Yeah, that's unusual for romantic comedies. Yeah. I love it. Um, I cannot say enough great things about this movie. I thought it was super fun. I also loved how they used... Okay, this is a weird connection, but just stay with me. I like how, just like in Nope, they used contemporary songs in a different way in this movie like you know how jordan peele will use a song that is not inherently scary but the way that he uses it and the way it's rearranged as a song is creepy Mm -hmm. just like with some of the songs that were used in the soundtrack of this movie i feel like both made me feel like it was a different time period and that they were within the context of the movie itself like mm-hmm. it didn't feel like dated or anything to be like oh you're playing a nelly song right now like it <laughs> yeah it felt like it connected with the movie it was cute which is funny because that's not in the book huh well that was that, a fun thing they added i enjoyed it <laughs> that song is not in the book i should say the whole scene yeah. is but yeah yeah i'm trying to find my list of facts about the movie it actually got pretty good Oh, no, it did not. It did not get a very good rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh-huh. Yeah, 32%. Oh. Yeah. I could get more than that. Goodness. Yeah, I was like, that seems. But also the majority of people, is that from critics or from people who watched it? That I don't know. Because the majority about. of film critics are still men. And um, yeah, I think we mm. know that they sometimes have um, biases about things marketed towards women. Yes. Yeah. Um, 
So I liked the music in this movie and I even thought like the piano scene was fun. Even like the mid credits, like music scene, the only music moment I didn't like was when Martin was singing to her when they were dancing. Terrible. Fuck. I hated that so much. I wrote it so big on my notes. Just like stop singing to me. I was fucking triggered. I was like, you have to stop. Stop, 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 stop. I can't, especially when he's like making eye contact with her. I'm like, you were inches from my face and singing to me. Yeah. And that scene at the end when they're at the airport and he's trying to like smooth things over. And he is saying that not a monologue, but that like the big scene that's supposed to be seen as romantic where he's like something about me and you being together like that was real the time you can see in his face that he is trying not to laugh and I don't know if that is him as an actor trying not to laugh reading this silly line or that's like what he's doing as part of his character you know and I'm just like that Mm -hmm. is being read perfect because that is exactly how I felt watching his being like oh like don't it's just awful yeah it's it felt like it felt like at that point in the movie that character was like over it and was just like oh okay well fine I didn't I didn't write it but I said it do you want to hear out anyway like he just yes yeah <laughs> and, really funny. and I really I re- did write in my notes I don't like his uh beta male vibes of I didn't think you were like the other women whether you that was you yes. acting or not as part like of your character either. I didn't like that I didn't like that. This whole idea of like, sudden, are you, am I your property now? Because we flirted a little, like I can't, I paid for this experience. Yeah. And he couldn't even see her face. If he could have seen her face, he would have seen, she was like, ah, like yeah. she, like she looked like she was, you know, having fun, like in the scene, like where the other guys like kissing her arms, George, um, and, yeah. uh, <laughs> captain George or whatever. I <laughs> Um, but yeah like he was seeing it from behind just that it was her arm and that he was like giving her weird kisses and obviously he knows this guy he works with him and he knows that this guy's like you know he's he's a little bit of a showboat you know he's like he's going kind of hard he's really committed to his role if you will um so like yeah I just it just was so like whiny and like annoying um for him to just be like oh you're just looking for another guy to flirt with and I'm like Okay, I met you like two days ago. God, yeah. we just made out in the grass. I came over here to hang out with you. Yeah, and even if I did just come here to make out with a bunch of guys, I I paid my money. Yeah. Okay? Do you want to do other people or not? Yeah. What are we doing here, sir? So I did not like that energy. I did feel like Mr. Nobley's energy, even when he's being like, <laughs> like sassy. Like you know what I mean? He's just being like. Uh, argumentative for no reason just being like hmm. at the mm-hmm. beginning he did come off as how martin's energy did there was that one mm-hmm. line where he was like conversations that women have are not stimulating or some shit like that and i was like ah that's, right. a, that's a red flag on the play right there that's you should note that i don't know if that's a character if that's if that's a line written for him or if that's from the heart yeah. but you need to investigate that <laughs> i did not like that yeah, I felt like he 
in most of his scenes, definitely did not like when he said that, but in most of his scenes, it felt like Henry was like doing the Mr. Darcy thing or whatever of like trying to be, have like a, like a witty back and forth. Ugh. And so like, I felt like he was trying to like, I guess, be that character, you know? Yeah. And like, it seemed like she was kind of having fun with some of the back and forth with him. Whereas with Martin, he was saying it to like intentionally be an asshole, you know, yeah. like we're just trying to be rude. Um, so yeah, I definitely was, had a little bit of whiplash there from Martin. And I was just like, wait a minute, is she going to end up with this guy? Cause like, yeah. he's kind of shitty. And I was like, I don't know. And then I put my notes. I was like, I want her to be with both of them. Maybe. Uh. <laughs> I, also, I also put in my notes that the guy that plays Mr. Nobly, I don't know if it was the outfits or that he's British, but he gave me like Lord of the Rings vibes, you know, like he looks like he could be in. <laughs> Don't laugh at me. <laughs> like he could do different like time periods. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. like I feel like if he would have had a wand or something, like if he would have been Yeah, like, if he was in the Tolkien world, what what kind of thing yes. would he be? Do you think he'd be a man or a wizard or like a, a hobbit or see, I don't know if he would be like one of the um <laughs> <laughs> like Orlando Bloom situation, fairies, fairies, elves, <laughs> or an actual fairy. I would totally watch and be a fairy. I feel like hobbits were both cute and kind of grossed me out when I would watch Lord of the Rings. They were always so dirty. Yeah. And it was like one of their things that like they never wore feet and just had big hairy or sorry, they never wore shoes. <laughs> big hairy feet. Yeah. So, yeah. Like- kind of grossed me out. But yeah, that was definitely something that I was thinking about while I was watching it this last time I was like, huh. I feel like I could see him in like a Harry Potter or like, you know what I mean? Like, like a fantasy thing. Yes. Yes. That's what I'm trying to say. Not just different time periods. Although I could watch him at different time periods for sure. I could. Yeah. And they had, I feel like those two actors had good uh, chemistry, like the scene where Mm -hmm. they're walking in that garden or whatever, and they kind of have to pass through that narrow part and they don't ever touch yum oh my god i know god. And, oh my god when he ripped her dress i i shouted i was like oh my god yeah. and then like he gets on that horse and i'm like well now your your penis is just slamming into the back of me as my little bloomers are out i was like this is so much <laughs> oh yeah and honestly like even if it wasn't the dick slapping into my back your your whole pelvis is just grinding into me as I'm riding this horse slamming into (laughs) a vagina and so it's like how do you not feel even if you aren't aroused how do you not feel just biologically aroused and even before he got on the horse whenever he helped her get up there and then he was like pushing her forward and I was like sir you're gonna have to stop (laughs) but yeah like this could not be in y'all's handbook of ways that you should be interacting with us like I really I really wish that we could have had like a naughtier version of this movie. I wanted Honestly. to see fuck both of these guys. Yeah, something. Even if they just like sniffed her puss. Like I don't really just <laughs> something. Like I just wanted mm-hmm. confirmation. Even at the end of the movie when you see like spoiler alert, they get together and they're smooching in the apartment. They kind of start to get into it. And I'm like, yes. And then the scene cuts and they go to the back to Austin land because Jennifer Coolidge has bought it, which is a cute scene, but I'm like, I wanted to see some, some fucking, 
<laughs> what if he had like ripped her clothes again? <laughs> you know? And he's just like, we don't have to be at Austin land for me to, you know, have my little tricks. <laughs> <laughs> also, in real life, I would be pretty pissed if someone ripped my actual clothes. You know? Oh, yeah, for sure. It definitely helped that it was not her property. Although, do you think she got sent a bill? I and don't I know. Probably not since that lady's husband fully tried to assault her. Yeah. What the? I didn't need what? that detail for. Couldn't it have been something else? Couldn't it have been something else that she thought that he was trying to like get her to not be mad about? Yeah. Like, did there yeah. need to be the extra detail that her, the lady who owns it's husband, has repeatedly assaulted people? Yeah. Why couldn't it have just been like embezzlement? <laughs> yeah. This movie was pretty fluffy. And then that started to happen. I'm like, whoa. Yeah. Also, I'm like, yeah, not in the book. He would have mentioned if he would have fully raped her. Yeah. But like, yeah. So I was like, I'm assuming that assault's not about to happen, but like, no. goodness. No. Yeah. That's why I didn't mention it too. Cause I was like, ah, you're going to know the second the character like comes in. So I didn't want to oh, like yeah. tell you. Yeah. Yeah. As soon uh, as he stumbled in, I was like, whoa. But yeah, it's not even in the book like at all. <laughs> so it's just like, uh, okay. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so Jennifer Coolidge ends up buying it. I don't know. Does she buy it with the guy who's playing Colonel Andrews? Are they together? I think they are together, but I I think she bought it. I just think that he still works there, and I think that he's also, like, her sugar baby, kind of. Okay. Because I think that's why he gets with her is because, like, she's rich. Yeah. He seems like that by the end, because, like, there's that weird scene where she's like trying to kiss him. And then later he, you know, makes some comment like, Hey, that thing you try to do just then if we're going to be together, you can't do that thing. And I'm like, Oh, okay. And then <laughs> later, like they're standing really close. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not really sure what all was going on with that, but by the end of it, I was kind of getting the vibe of like, you know, she's really rich and they make out sometimes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cause yeah, each time I've watched it so far, I'm just like, I am not sure what I'm supposed to think of you two. Yeah. That was a weird detail to have for that character. Cause I, I get that they wanted it to read that Jennifer Coolidge is wanting to have some romance, like for sure, you know? And like, she's like, and then she's being like over the top about it. Yeah. And and she's like a wild, you know, middle-aged rich woman, but I don't know if we needed to have that level of handsiness if you will yeah seriously although I did okay listen I did think that one scene was funny where she like grabbed that guy and then his face was like in her tits and she's like oh yeah (laughs) yeah for (laughs) sure I don't remember what she did to get him there and then she's just like and I'm like oh my goodness Jennifer yeah she had a great energy in the movie and I think her and Carrie Russell like feel they felt like legit friends like they became friends during Mm -hmm. this which I thought was fun the needle point that she makes for Jennifer Coolidge at the end kind of kind of haunting like it's a little scary maybe (laughs) I'll make a needle point of your face I hope it's as haunting as that one because it it would be like it both kind of look accurate and a little spooky you could tell it was Jennifer Coolidge but it was a little bit not yeah it it was an interpretation of Jennifer Coolidge We'll say that um yes for sure what uh before i say a few random facts because there's not i can't find apparently there's not a good housekeeping article about this movie which is strange wow i'm surprised okay so i did write down probably my favorite line at least from this watch through <laughs> and i forgot about it earlier it is when 
I don't exactly remember when it is. But I just remember George East is the one that says it. And he says, quote, my little kumquat, you made yourself all wet. Oh, I recall that line <laughs> as well. And I was like, George. <laughs> I know. When I heard it this time, I was like, oh, my goodness. So funny. Yeah, George was, he was really going for it. Yeah, I really liked his character. I liked that they made him a soap opera star so that he was, that was funny even more dramatic I really enjoyed that I thought that that was a fun little touch that they did for the characters and I liked the like frat house-esque uh living quarters that all the staff had they would show those scenes and it was them just like out by a pool it was very funny like a boom box out there and all kinds of weird shit I loved it (laughs) and that one guy or uh Henry talking like Mr. Darcy while he's like holding a computer in his in his in his lap (laughs) it's very fun yeah, and his like his britches. His britches. Yeah. One of my favorite lines was uh one of Carrie Russell's like sassy lines. The she said something to the effect of like, it would be a shame if my first impression of you turned out to be correct. And I was like, boom. I know that felt that very um Jane Austen today. Like if someone took yeah. Jane Austen stuff and fed it into a AI thing. I don't know how it works. A robot. Chat GDP. It was just like, make Jane Austen today. I feel like that would be one of the lines she would say. Yeah. I can never think of the good lines in the moment. You know, whenever someone says some shit like that to you, mm-hmm. I can never think of it in the moment. And then I'm home later and I'm like, damn it, I've got a good one now. Yeah, that was a good one. Was a good and one. then a sweet line that was like my favorite was at the very end whenever Henry's like you've got it backwards you are my fantasy bitch bitch oh my god oh man also to back it up just a little bit more speaking of him this scene where he walks her to the door and they leave and he's like can I have the first two dances or whatever at the ball and she's like for mm-hmm. sure he leaves and then he knocks mm-hmm. on the door and he's like can I come back in for a moment uh-huh. he comes in uh-huh. I don't even remember what he says but he takes her hands into his hands and he kisses her palm and I feel like if this was me writing this as a book as soon as he left my character would have pulled out a vibrator and promptly gotten into the bed like yeah. There is no way that they should not have included that part. Like, sploosh. Seriously. Sploosh. Loved it so much. Mm, That was delicious. Delicious. Talk about a wet little kumquat. That was me. Oh. That scene. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good way to say my final thoughts on the film before we get into the ranking <laughs> okay great so um actually you know what you just gave me a great idea why don't we rate this movie out of five kumquats five wet little kumquats yeah uh, i'm gonna say a five out of five i feel like i will probably be re-watching this within the next two months if not earlier it is both a uh, wholesome and kind of raunchy it's fun the music is good the characters i feel like have full stories it's not i mean like for it being a 90 minute movie they have pretty full character arcs like you know things about them that's not just in relation to it being a romance or you know whatever it is 
Um, Jennifer Coolidge is a freaking dream. Carrie Russell is a dream. I still think we should put Waitress on the list because she is a dream in that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, five out of five kumquats. Everyone's hot in it too. I mean, everyone's yeah. attractive. Uh, the only person who's not is the gross husband who assaults Carrie Russell. Everyone else is hot, hot, hot. Jane Seymour's hot. All the dudes mm-hmm. are hot. Jennifer Coolidge is hot. Five out of five. <laughs> What about you? Um, Honestly, I'm right there with you. I think this was a five out of five romantic comedy. I really liked it. There were several scenes where I was fully like shouting um, several scenes where the music made me really happy. Um, I could not sit still when I was watching this movie. It's a very rewatchable for me. Um, Yeah, it was horny. Um, I liked like, oh my God, the scene with her and Martin when they're like making out in the grass. That was good. I liked that. I was like, damn, she's really, she's having a good time. This little Yeah, she's she's getting her money's worth. Hell yeah. Um, And yeah, I liked how many people were horny for her. Like what a fun time. Um, I was a little sad because for just a moment when Amelia pulled her into that room, I was like, wait, is she going to confess that she also likes her? No, but I will yeah. say, I just put in my notes when she put her hand on Jane's neck. Oh, oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And kept yeah. calling each other bosom sisters. I was like, yeah. you. Let's get those bosoms out then. Goodness. 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 So I, I did like that little scene. Yeah. Whenever she grabbed her throat, I was like, oh. I was, I was pretty excited. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it was very fun, very rewatchable. Five out of five wet little kumquats <laughs> i feel like it's it's somehow in the universe someone connected to that movie is going to find this podcast episode and hear us say wet little kumquats over and over again and just they're gonna feel like we sullied their craft <laughs> we got their kumquats too wet too wet <laughs> oh god uh yeah okay so now let's pivot and let's talk about Midsummer. Yes. So um, I'll let you start again and then I'll give my little like experience or like background with Midsummer, and then g- give like a little mini summary. But um, tell me about like the first time you watched Midsummer. like what, what kind okay. of history do you have with it? So not shocking at all. The first time I watched this was with you because of most horror movies, at least that have come out in the last, I would say 15 years. I have more than likely watched them with you if I've watched them at all. So first time was definitely with you every time I've watched it, except for, for the podcast. Now I've watched them with you. I've always watched it with you. So um, one thing I did put in my notes is that I noticed how many visual details I either forgot about or just straight up did not ever notice so that was definitely interesting um I also I don't know if other people do this with certain movies but the first like 15 minutes of this movie really gives me the ick and so I usually just like fast forward the first 15 minutes or I just don't I actively don't pay attention the first 15 minutes and so I did this time I did actively watch it for the 15 minutes and it did still give me the ick but there are things that now I've watched it so many times that just like with nope like you I've only seen that one once but you could easily tell that now if I were to rewatch nope like there would be things that I would notice 
that you didn't notice the first time. So that's really my experience with Midsummer. I think this was also the first time I'd watched an A24 film. Okay. I believe. Yes. Yes. What about you? Had you seen The Witch before? I didn't watch The Witch until after I'd seen Midsummer a few times also with you. (laughs) Checks out. Um, Yeah. Okay, cool. So... Yeah, Midsummer um, is one of my favorite movies. Um, also, I'm just going to say up at the top, we're not going to call it Midsummer, not because we're like making this like very intentional choice. It's just what we tend to say. And Ari Aster himself said he doesn't care how you say it. <laughs> so it feels weird coming out of my mouth saying Midsummer. So that's not how I'm going to say it. <laughs> um, so uh, I watched Midsummer once it was available for stream. I remember whenever I watched the trailer, I was immediately very, very excited. Um, I, yeah, I was stoked to watch this movie and when it came out, I remember I watched it. And then as soon as it was over, I just rewatched it (laughs) because I was just like, wow, I need to do that again. And so I just started it over so that I could like watch it from the beginning with like, you know, with the understanding of everything that was going to happen. So yeah, I love this movie. Um, as we've talked about before, spoilers podcast, but a quick little summary of it is that you have um, a young woman named Danny who is in um, grad school and she and her shitty fucking boyfriend, the shittiest, the shittiest fucking boyfriend um, named Christian and (laughs) two of his shitty classmate friends and, um, all go with their friend Pele, um, who is another one of the students. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, you can't see her, but she was uh, wagging her tongue in response to Pele being mentioned. He's hot. He is hot. He's hot. He I is. don't. I don't know what it is, and I'm sure a therapist could tell me. But he's hot. We don't need to, we don't even need to analyze it. You know, we can, we just don't need to involve them, That he's, he's great. He's yeah. Doing it for us. And you know, he knows it. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, we have Danny shitty boyfriend, Christian, um, two other grad students who, uh, seems our roommates with Christian, um, Josh and Mark. And then, um, finally, uh, Pele who is Swedish and he wants to take them back to the homeland for a fun little midsummer festival. Um, so, uh, Danny, um, goes with them. She had experienced a tragedy at the start of the film. Her sister, um, Terry, uh, killed their parents and then herself. And, uh, Danny knew that something bad was happening, but her shitty fucking boyfriend, Christian gaslit her. So her whole family's dead. So months later she goes, she goes with um talk about orphans though right um there's a lot more connection than i realized between these two films as you're telling this synopsis i'm just like oh yeah it's really it's all layers layers and so yeah so they all journey to um 
Halsingrad to visit the Harga people. And uh, they dive into a lot of different ceremonies and rituals, um, culminating with the ritual sacrifice of all of them, except for Danny, who became their new May Queen. So yeah, we'll get into the rest of it, but that's pretty much the the bones of the movie. So <clears throat> it is written and directed by Ari Aster and is his um, second um, like major film um, following Hereditary. And um, this came out in 2019. Um, he describes it as a breakup film that's sort of set within like the folk horror landscape. Like it wasn't really his intention for this to be like, um, like a, a major folk horror in that, like that being the main focus, it was more that like, that's the backdrop of a breakup film, which is what this ended up being. So yeah. Um, Olivia, as you mentioned, the beginning has a lot of tension. Um, the opening uh, shot is also a tapestry kind of situation that shows the entire film. Um, it shows all the main things that are going to happen in this illustration, which is very fun. And um, yeah, so uh, honestly, first, I really just would like to get it out of the way. I want to talk about the death scene with her sister and the parents. Okay. <laughs> so how do you feel about that scene? I don't know how I feel like you should answer that question first because I feel like you have thoughts and I hadn't like I said I usually always fast forward through it so this was the first time I had watched it in a while um yeah I did well I mean something I wrote down of just like a general theme that I noticed of the movie is just around ableism because they mentioned that the sister has bipolar disorder and it's just like, okay, but that's not, that shouldn't be justification for what happened. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, especially mm-hmm. since the sister said that she had been fighting with the parents and it's like, okay, what was that about? You know what I mean? Like, so it was yeah. just, that was strange. The entire character of Ruben, uh-huh. um, all of that I felt like was very strange. So yeah. What did, how did <laughs> So that's what I, love I wanted when you ask me these. About. Okay, I'm sad. I love when you ask me this question because I'm like, wait, you're. I feel like you're asking me because you want to talk about something. Yes, uh, so, that's kind of the vibe that I got uh, from the beginning. Yeah, and I feel conflicted about it because so I think that I think that a reason for mentioning that she has a mental illness, a reason is that Christian tries to brush off Danny's concerns. And he's like, you know, she just does this to get attention. She does this because you let her. And she's like, um, no, I don't just let her do things. She has bipolar disorder, right? Like she's bipolar. And so I felt like that part to me was like, you don't need to downgrade or like, like invalidate what's happening. Like, my sister does have mental health issues and like, yes, this could be, it could be something serious that she's not emailing me back. Like, and so that part I sort of understood, but also the fact of just naming a mental illness and then having someone do a murder suicide is pretty rough. Yes. (laughs) So, because like, you know, young women with bipolar disorder are generally not the ones doing the murder suies. Like they're just not, they're not the ones. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel about doing that that 
uh, trope in general or that theme in general yeah. of just like, okay, but you're not then providing what could be for some people obvious information, but like providing information within the film to be like, okay, but we're not making this direct connection that because this person has this experience, that right. it then caused this to happen. It's like, no, 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 no. But instead we have like random scenes put into movies where you're like, you could have cut that scene. Like this was unnecessarily long of a movie, but they don't take yeah. the time to explain those kind of complexities. And I'm just like, come on. But yes. Yeah, totally. And like, it just, yeah, it just seemed weird. And that was something that was talked about quite a bit in um, the episode of the Bechtel cast that covered, it was either, I can't, I, th- I think they covered Midsummer. I'm trying to remember if they covered Midsummer or if they just mentioned this when talking about ableism in a film, but I'm pretty sure they were talking about Midsummer. But anyways, they talked about how specifically this was an example of a film that like unnecessarily named a mental illness and, you know, talked about how stigmatizing that is, which I definitely, you know, understand and agree with. Um, so yeah, I just, I feel like there could have been a different way to arrive at this family tragedy. Um, not even that it can't still be that the same thing happened, but just like, yeah, the buildup to it is a little strange, especially since like, we also see Danny taking medicine for like, like it, it, you know, it was, it was medicine. I didn't look up exactly what it was for, but I'm assuming it was probably for like depression or like something like that. Yeah. And so it, yeah, it was just kind of like, okay. And like, I don't agreed i agree didn't really care for it and it still also just generally creeped me out the way Mm -hmm. that i know that's the point it's a horror movie but it just like the angles in which it was shot creeped me out because it both felt like you were like lurking and that you Mm -hmm. were in the room you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. that you were supposed to be there and that you weren't supposed to be there and i was like oh yeah it's definitely a very haunting scene and also like what that just seems like such an intense way to kill yourself and somebody else. Like, yeah. like they have to have the hoses that went all the way up the stairs and all of that tape. Like mm-hmm. I just, I'm like, wow, how much time did that take her? Like, I guess, yeah. I guess your parents were fast asleep. Um, Cause they do still seem to be alive when Danny calls and leaves the message. It looks as though they, they're breathing in the bed. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't think that they were dead yet. <clears throat> um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's. I'm just like, whoa, that's a lot. But yeah, so the opening scene is definitely very horrific. Um, it establishes a few clear themes um, that Danny is alone, that she feels alone and she feels like a burden, that her boyfriend is the fucking worst and gaslights her, minimizes her and seems to resent the relationship in general, but is one of those little coward men that won't just admit that. And so instead they just treat their girlfriend like shit um yeah Yeah, I definitely wrote in my notes of like him and his friends are the guys who tell a girl to go to therapy when none of those guys have ever even stepped foot in a therapist's office especially when you find out that she's going to school for psychology she knows about therapy and also if it's late at night and you're calling your boyfriend because something bad's happening you don't call your therapist at night you fucking dummies. Yeah, y'all have watched too many movies where that's what therapists about. do. Yeah. Yeah. Him and all of his friends are just varying brands of shitty boyfriend. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because if you were dating, if she, like, if you were to take out <laughs> the Christian character as the boyfriend, insert one of the friends as the boyfriend character and make Christian one of the friend mm-hmm. characters. It, it's still the same. It's, they're all, it's still shit. Like, they're, it wouldn't be any better with, 
any of the other friends. And I'm not talking about Pele because he seems no, to Pele's be different. We're not talking. He is yeah, a different. classmate. Uh huh. These other three are friends. He's, he's probably just a roommate <laughs> who has decided these are the guys I'm taking home for. Yeah. You know, for the that's, barbecue. That's why I wrote down in my notes, Pele would 100% get me to join this cult. Like, okay, it same. would not be hard. It would not be hard. Yeah, I, I would like to say that I'm not someone who would join a cult, but just kidding. You have to find the right one that would get you. And that's this is how they get, get you. That's yeah. how they get you. Yeah. Um, it's people who think that they're too smart to join a cult are the best targets for a cult. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're hot. <laughs> yeah. It's, and, and you draw a portrait of me when I'm not expecting it. Jesus Christ. And let me just say too, as someone who's been in um, a long-term relationship with someone that I had um, grown to hate and resent, um, whenever you're at that place and someone else is like that attentive in an unexpected moment, you're just, it, it's very overwhelming. And so for what's his name? Christian to forget her birthday. And then Pele to be like, I drew this portrait of you. Fuck. I think I'm the one who's going to get pregnant at this festival. Honest (laughs) to God. Like, why did we go in that barn and fuck it out while the ladies sang around us? Seriously? I don't give a shit. I mean, I'd rather, I don't want to have to make eye contact with her while she's singing, but I don't mind that they're there. Yeah. And I know we're going to get into that. So I'm not going to say anything more about that scene, but I definitely want I was reimagining this movie as I was watching it this time as what if, okay, follow me. What if it's a, it's the same plot, but within it is the subplot romantic comedy of her and Pele getting together and the, everything else is just like happening. You know what I mean? Like it's still all happening, but it's more like they've changed the soundtrack and the, this, the, the creepy sounds in general and like, (laughs) I guess everybody could still die in the end. That's fine. Because <laughs> again, like it's the backdrop of the of them getting together. Look, mostly it's the shitty ones that die. Okay. Yeah. Connie and Simon, they didn't deserve to die. Okay. I don't think yeah. they deserve to die. But everyone else in there, I don't give a yeah. shit. Also, speaking of Simon, did you notice that he is the same actor who plays Farley and Saltburn? shut your mouth no yes as soon as I turned this movie on I was like I feel like there's somebody who's in this movie that I have now seen in something else and I don't know which one it is and as soon as he came on the screen yeah I pulled my little phone up my fingies and I typed in (laughs) and popped up yeah and so it's just like huh that is interesting that within a five-year span no I guess that movie came out in 2000 23 so four year span those are the two mm-hmm. movies that i've seen him in so interesting yeah i know yeah that is Fun really fact. interesting but like okay so i love that you mentioned that about how you wish this could be a rom-com because i watched this um trailer that had commentary so it was basically a trailer but it had like you know kind of like the dvd feature a feature out of the of the olden times and it was ari aster narrating over it and he mentioned how he intentionally used like um rom-com kind of structure in this movie and he talked about how you have this girl that's like you know with somebody that she knows she doesn't want to be with and the right guy is right there under her nose and how in the end she's able to shed like her old her old life and her the old relationship she was in and be ready to like move forward anew 
See, mm. see, mm. I would pay good fucking money to watch this movie reshot in that manner and give me what? a little bit more than that one kiss that they have. Like, yeah, although that's a, that was a good kiss. It was a good kiss. I at least needed more like some like Jane Austen uh, flair, if you will, like some some finger touching. Some I know. Yeah, he does hold her hand the once. Um, yeah, he does. Is it okay with you if I read everything that he said in that scene? Listen, I need people who are listening to this to understand how many times you've said this to me, just completely out of context <laughs> as well. So <laughs> I feel better <laughs> prepared for it. But just know, like, I could be doing anything and you'll turn to me and be like, the whole, you'll say the whole thing. And I'm just like, hey, now, now I'm in a different headspace. <laughs> I don't because. even know how many times I've said the phrase, do you feel held by him? Does he feel held to you? I say it so much. Okay. But like, honestly, uh, honestly, I think a lot of people should ask that about, of their relationships. Yeah. There are, they are hot questions and they are necessary questions, but so, yes, go I ahead and give me the full thing. Um, Because like, oh my God, it was so funny. Cause as I was watching it earlier with um my partner, I, as he was saying, it was pausing it and writing the whole thing down and saying it out loud as I was writing it. So I would say it, so I would like write it correctly. And then afterwards I was like, God damn, that's good. And then I read the whole thing out loud and then played it and continued to watch it. <laughs> Just madness. Anyways. Okay. <clears throat> so I'm just going to pick up mid sentence whenever it starts to get good. The difference is that I never got to feel lost because I had a family here where everyone embraced me and swept me up. And I was raised by a community that doesn't bicker over what's theirs and what's not theirs. That's what you were given. But I have always feel, felt held by a family, a real family, um, which everyone deserves and you deserve. And then Danny's like, Pele, Christian could walk in. And I'm like, uh, and then <laughs> Pele says he's what I was ta- what I'm talking about dot 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 he says shit about Christian Danny do you feel held by him does he feel like home to you and like just I just slide right out of the seat you know like my god you just rip up your passport and you're like I'm a, <laughs> a proud Swedish resident I mean yeah oh my god like what the fuck doesn't Sweden have a four-day work week, or is that Norway? One of those fun fucking countries has a four-day work week now. Yeah. Bitches. I mean, with all that extra time, they come up with saying shit like that to people, so. Clearly. G- good for them. Good for them. So a couple, I also wanted to say, so like we have established that Mark sucks, okay? I'm not saying Mark doesn't suck. Mark is awful. I'm glad that they skin him, okay? But they do give him some funny lines. Um, he does have <laughs> do give him some funny lines. <laughs> Two of them that I wrote down that were my favorite were "I don't want new people right now," which is exactly how you feel if you're on mushrooms or another hallucinogen and someone rolls up on you, crisis. And then, oh my god, I want to give her a bath. <laughs> yes, I did. Okay, <laughs> I definitely wrote both of those. Um, the scene with the mushrooms just feels very. If- <laughs> <laughs> like I connected to it deeply. All of his lines where he's just like, "Why? Why is the sun still out?" <laughs> They're like, "That's not okay." Everyone lay yeah. down. Yeah. He's like, "Josh, can you please lay down?" Like, I yes, 
that, that part felt very was relatable. so good because like not only did he need to lay down but he needed to make sure everyone else yes. was down and yes mark sucks he's a not a great character he definitely made me giggle and i'm sure that's how his character gets women to like him is because he yes. is silly also that actor yum yummers yummers he also has a really funny quote that i like where someone asked him how he feels about method acting and he's like i don't do it method acting is for assholes yeah and i just think that's really funny yeah i appreciate that but yes a couple i just remembered a couple things i wanted to mention just going back to the beginning as far as details um that the um so danny's parents whenever we see in their room whenever she's calling them being like hello um there's a picture on their bedside table that has danny in it and there's flowers uh, around the picture that look like a crown um there's also a painting over danny's bed it's a it's a uh, well-known swedish painting of this girl that's like touching this giant bear um <clears throat> so i think that's really interesting and then um I also just wanted to say that I liked the use of the mirrors in those early tent scenes, both with when Danny and Christian are talking after that party, when that piece of fucking shit let her get bamboozled about him having a trip in two weeks. And if you'll remember when they're in the bar scene, okay, they talk about Sweden, okay? That's when there's still snow on the fucking ground. And so obviously it was forever planned out and so when they had that back and forth scene the mirrors were there and then when he bamboozled his friends because he's also a shitty friend when he bamboozled his friends we were seeing his face in the mirror and then their reaction so I just thought that was cool agreed agreed I thought it was uh really cool and I also thought it was interesting that you don't realize that he's a redhead until they get to Sweden like the the lighting in the movie until you really get to where they're going like you can't tell too much about anyone but he's a full redheaded man which yeah, I just it threw me off yeah, yeah every time um he's a cute the, little ginger he's a, he's a terrible <sighs> character but he's the yeah. actor is attractive <laughs> yeah um since this was the first time that I had watched it by myself I was paying a lot more attention I guess and of course I was taking notes but I never noticed not just when they take mushrooms the first time but like each time they are taking anything things start to move they're kind of wobbly mm-hmm. um and distorted and all of that and I never noticed that all the times that we watched it so that was pretty cool uh and I also liked <laughs> I felt like I noticed the sounds more watching mm-hmm. it by myself because there were quite a few jump scares for me just of like the the sounds that mm-hmm. they would use throughout I also put on here the character I know that <laughs> obviously the ending we know what happens but the character Ingmar that guy is a walking red flag when he tells the story about yes. him and his friends that he's brought you know um Simon and what is the girlfriend's Connie. name Connie when he's telling them how they met i was like sir um you are acting as if this guy stole connie from you and it kind of just felt like he's like that's why i brought them because like fuck these two i don't know what it felt like unless maybe he was like pele and he thought he was gonna bring connie's as may queen whenever he like saw her sitting in some fucking english comp class or however the fuck he met her and then you know he finds out she has a partner and he's like well 
Because I am certain that Pele brought Danny to be the May Queen. Oh, for sure. He wanted to fuck. Yeah. He wanted to fuck. You know that they got matched as like mates afterwards. Yeah. I bet if that movie were astrological matches. I know that Danny's a Gemini if that was when her birthday was, if her birthday was mid-June. That's what I feel like if the movie would have kept going for another like 45 minutes, they would have then sat her down in that little room and been like, you've been matched with Pele. She's like, okay, like what? Okay, great. Yeah, He's hot. I bet he's a Scorpio. He's attentive. He is attentive. He can wear it. He can wear the shit out of a blouse. Like, (laughs) yeah, those little tunics they had him in. He looked delicious. I want to, I want to pet his hair. His hair looks so soft. By the way, that actor's name is Wilhelm Blomgren. Wow. Wilhelm. (laughs) If this man ever Googles himself and we pop up for some strange reason, he is going to call the law on us. Call me. Um, Yeah, he's really hot. He's Hungarian, as are a lot of the cast. (laughs) So... Oh, <laughs> they are um, actually in the Hungarian countryside when we think they're in um, Halsengrad. It's not in Sweden. It's in Hungary. Um, huh. So uh, actually, um, William Jackson Harper, the cutie patootie who plays Josh, who's also in The Good Place. Love him. Also hot. So hot. Um, <clears throat> anyways, he is the only American actor in the film. So everyone else is um, British or Hungarian I think there might have been some Swedes in there. Jack Rayner, he's Scottish, I think. Will Poulter is British, as is Florence Pugh. <laughs> and Florence Pugh has a cute little midsummer tattoo on her wrist, which I love. I do love the way she says Christian because she says it kind of like Christian. Mm-hmm. It sounds almost British, but not British. Those little fancy Brits. Yeah. She also referred to the character of Danny as being one that she has felt sadness at like leaving. She said that usually when she leaves a character, like when she's no longer playing them, she said she feels like comfortable, like setting them down and walking away. Right. But she said that it made her sad looking back, like leaving Danny. I wrote in my notes, like, I wonder how physically sick she was at times because the, uh, not even just the amount of crying, but the the type of crying you're having to do in this very physical like I would have headaches constantly my eyeballs would be red all the time she talked a little bit about the scene where they're all um like where the women gather around her and are like screaming like cathartic kind of screaming and breathing with her and she said that that was like a very like emotionally and physical intense experience because she's like we're all really feeling this like we're having to sob and scream over and over and so um they shot that scene you know obviously as as you do they shot it more than once and so she said that it was a pretty a pretty intense day Okay, so the scene you're talking about, I would hate to be in that scene. You know what I mean? Like, can you imagine if you're having an emotional breakdown and a bunch of people just circle around you and start wailing at the same time? I think maybe we differ here. (laughs) Oh, okay, okay. I literally wrote down... That, I don't know where it is. I wrote down something to the effect of like, yeah. 
Yeah, I said, I love when they all scream with Danny, but I do understand this would not be for everyone. And this is very culty. <laughs> so again, this cult would get me. So like, I think part of why I like it is because like, they don't just start out screaming. That would definitely be alarming. But like, at first it's like, she like can't breathe. She's like choking, you know, she's like falling off the bed. And then when that one woman looks at her and like starts to like breathe, you know, then like Danny breathes with her. And it's like, I felt it felt like they were like anticipating how she was feeling and like trying to feel it like with her, which, you know, we see them do in other scenes too. Like whenever the, the 72 year olds kill themselves, whenever the fires at the end, everything, you know, people are, they're waving their hands, they're wailing, (laughs) but like, I don't know, something about it just felt really like cathartic. Um, and like, I think also with like Danny, like not feeling held. Right. Like, like Pele said, like, you know, I, I was, they swept me up. Right. And so it's like, I felt like we were seeing her, like she has hit this like absolute bottom, like this Christian and the, what is left of their relationship is like her last tether, like keeping her from fully joining this cult and like mounting Pele immediately. <laughs> I don't even know if she'll take off that flower dress. Um, like you can just need slip to. under it. It's so wide in the bottom. She just has to like, boop. Yeah, yeah, they'll make it work. Yeah, like a penguin um, sitting on an egg. Oh. If they have eggs. Do they have eggs? They have eggs. Yeah, they do. Yeah, the boy yeah. penguins sit on them yeah. while the girl penguins go get yeah. food. I definitely enjoyed like the imagery of the scene and all of that. I think if if I'm having that level of like my bottom, give me at least a solid 30 seconds where I can just do that. Then maybe we all join in and do it together. <laughs> but to immediately yeah. come up on me and like <laughs> start mimicking me, I did like where the one woman is, you know, breathing and, and Danny's matching that. That is great. If I'm wailing, the last thing that I would need is someone matching my wailing. If yeah. it's a turn of like emotional distress, if we're having like a let's scream about it moment. And we all join that might feel cathartic, but I think if I'm in that type of space, I would not want them to match my energy, so to speak. I'd want them to set the tone for me. Maybe, maybe that's why they're doing it. They're trying to, maybe they're trying to amplify it, you know? Yeah. 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 And it also kind of felt like I don't have the verbiage to make this connection as eloquently as I want, but it felt like when someone says that they helped you with something when really they just stood around and didn't do anything. Cause again, mm-hmm. we're not saying that those people, some of the people that died at the end probably shouldn't have died. Some of them should have, it's fine. They sucked. But then to have them all just standing around and wailing in response to hearing the people in there that are alive wailing. It's just like, but are we gonna do anything like no (laughs) what are we doing here um and that's kind of what it felt like at least if I was in that deep of a moment as Dan like as Danny as just as myself Mm -hmm. even I would be like can y'all back up for one second let me gather my breath and then we can all wail together and that's great but like I need (laughs) just like whoa I just saw my boyfriend who sucks anyway through a peephole having the strangest sexual encounter with I'm not quite sure what the age is supposed to be of that person that he's having sex with 
I'm not either because the word that Pele used according to IMBD trivia, whenever he described that girl, Maja, he said that she had had her like, and then said this like long Swedish word. Apparently what that word means is that she had reached like the, like of consenting age, like she's old enough to fuck basically. But so I don't know if they mean the legal age of consent, which in Sweden is 15 or if they're meaning like she, cause I thought it just meant she had been approved to get pregnant. Like that's what I thought that it meant, which maybe it does. And they mean, I, I don't yeah. feel like she looks 15 though. I will say the actress who was playing her was 20. Um, so there's that, but like, I, yeah, I'm not really sure about that. And yeah, we should, we should just, we should just get into this scene. We should go ahead and get this conversation. Yeah. Yeah, because first off, what was the casting like for this scene? Because this was her first major acting role. Well, and all the all the other women that are doing that haunting song completely butt ass naked the whole time. Um, standing around in this like semicircle while the girl that's gonna have sex with Christian is laying in this bed of flowers. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, what did the casting uh info say of like what they were looking for (laughs) for this you have to go full bush it's fine if you have a full bush or no bush or a little bush but you have to be prepared to go you know muff out you're gonna sing this weird tune and two of you are going to touch a man while he (laughs) simulates sex and thrusts on top of this woman Mm -hmm. for a horror movie but don't worry it'll be it'll be artsy Uh it's just like whoa yeah it's it's pretty wild and it's also interesting because earlier in the film whenever christian is being a little bitch and telling josh to, um that he's going to like also do his thesis on um harga even though that was already josh's thing to do this on midsummer traditions obviously like you know as as josh says it's lychee and he's just trying to take this idea because he doesn't know what the fuck he wants to do um and so anyways in that scene when they're talking there's a painting that you can clearly see um behind um well like because of the shot it's behind where you're seeing Christian. So it's kind of like in front of him. Um, but there's a painting of a man on top of a woman having sex. And there's a woman on either side of them, like the head of the woman and behind the man. Oh my God. And there's also, so the scene when he's um, he has that cupcake with the candle. Cause Pele was like, Hey bitch, you forgot her birthday. And it's like, he already talked to her and gave her a present. Yeah. Um, but anyways, whenever he's trying to light that candle over and over and like, he's ba- basically, you know, there's this space between them of, like him being a shitty partner in that space in the back of the shot is Maja and a group of women who are all holding her and they're swaying and singing and they're holding a baby I did see that this time around which I never noticed all the other times I watched the movie and I also noticed at the end when the two people who volunteer to go in to to die in the fire whatever mm-hmm. you see these women on the side of the of the barn like crying as the two men are walking in and one of them was a woman that we'd seen like in other scenes repeatedly. So I was like, huh, never noticed that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, interesting imagery. The shitty boyfriend gets drugged a lot. Like I'm not saying that he did not have what was coming to him. And also he got drugged a lot. And a couple of these times I don't feel like we're very consensual. They were like a little coercive with the drug use yes. on this man. Like it was aggressive. I agree. So I think that so I think the scene is complicated because I think that Christian, I think that we see him thinking 
that he is in like that he can really get into this that he can really immerse himself if you will in the harga experience and so i think that he thinks that he's ready for it right he's told that he's approved for maja you know he sees like um he i don't remember how he ends up getting over there i think they uh, whatever and so anyways whenever he like gets there like to the building and he's wearing his little robe and naked underneath and then he inhales what i think is probably going to give him a boner i don't know i felt like i because th- he said i feel yeah. like he said like for vitality or something i'm like yeah Are you saying it's gonna make his cum strong or it's gonna make his dick hard yeah did you just grind up some viagra and just blow it in my face or is it just something that's like for good luck and it's not really anything is it just make me feel calm it's a placebo effect it's nothing right yeah it's just dirt it's literally <laughs> cinnamon um but like yeah so it's like i feel like christian by the end of the movie, I think that he sees himself as someone who can like appreciate culturally what's going on with Harga. And then I think that in this scene, I think for I think it starts with him into it and I think it ends with him not into it. And I think that he gets pulled back to reality. And I think that he's like revolted with what he's done. Yeah. That's how I interpret the scene, but I also understand that they are literally at a cult and they've all been given mushrooms for days. So yeah. I don't, I think that all of them, their ability to consent has been knocked down a notch for sure. Yeah, for sure. I definitely, it, uh, there were, it was a complicated scene and I feel like a lot of, <laughs> even the, the next time that he is drugged, um, he does technically drink it himself. And the, when the woman brings him, a little like shot of some kind of tea and he's like i don't think i should i think i'll have a bad trip and she's like no no you'll be fine but then she walks away and he has to you know i hate to be this person he technically didn't have to drink it but like you said you are in an environment that has been encouraging this and if you already think that you one can immerse yourself in this and in your mind appreciate their culture but i feel like he's also just being lazy in his research you know what i mean like he's just yeah. doing what because he's already here um and i think because he wants to fuck around like we saw in the beginning of the yeah. movie when he when he gets kicked in the side by that yeah, girl she literally yeah she kicks him and then him with danny staring at him he stares at that girl and is like can anyone dance and i'm like you piece of shit i'm yeah. so glad you put in that bear yeah like she should have punched him in the back of the head right then just one time like uh uh yeah so it's not as if all of the things that were happening to him were happening without his control at one point and towards the end he definitely lost the upper hand for sure considering how it all ended for him but yeah there were quite a few times like i don't understand why when he found the pubic hair in his food that everyone was just like just ignore it it's just fine it's their culture and i'm like i i am fine with that but i do not want someone's pubic hair in my food well what's funny about that scene is that danny says ew and then um mark is like is that a fucking pube and then christian goes oh dude just calm down and it's like you but you know you just pulled a pube out of your mouth, right? Yeah. And then, like, how does he not notice that his lemonade is pink and everyone else's isn't? Yeah. And Bro, her blood's in that. 
You and saw did, that tapestry earlier. I was going to say, did no one except for Simon and Connie see that actual tapestry that said everything? Because, I mean, it it was very. It was specific. billowing in the wind. It was right there. Yeah. And they they don't make it vague with some mm-hmm. of the panels, you know, like you see the person menstruating into a fucking cup. And so it's uh-huh. like you would think when you saw that, you'd be like, oh, no. What is and especially after you pull the pube out of your mouth, why don't you just examine the rest of what's in front of you? Yeah. Speaking of, I don't know if this is true because I've never noticed it. And I saw it on IMBD trivia right after I finished watching it this time. And I know I've seen this movie a million times, but I don't think that I've noticed this. Anyways, there was an IMBD trivia thing that said that you don't ever actually see any of the Harga people eat. You only see the people who've been invited eat. And they say, if you look closely at the food, it looks rotten and like spoiled. Well, now I have to rewatch it again. I know. And I'm just okay. like, well, next I time we it? hang out, we'll rewatch it. Look yeah. And that. we're going to have to look at the food specifically. Cause I'm like, I guess I, I mean, I, the things I noticed about the food were the scenes where Danny is tripping really hard. The food is like moving around. Like yeah. it looks kind of like the plants like like the eye and the pig when there's when there's what looks Mm -hmm. like a like a a pig or something on the table one of its eyes is like getting bigger and so it's like there were like weird trippy things like that but yeah so I don't know if that's true but someone said allegedly that the Harga people aren't eating and that maybe they're serving spoiled food to the visitors I think I did notice that one shot of some kind of meat there were flies flying around it but I didn't associate that with it being rotten I just associate mm-hmm. it with like it's They're the outside. middle of the goddamn summer. And also what a uh pale people to be out in this direct sunlight. Not any sunscreen, not a parasol, not a fucking hat inside. Well, like a couple of them had three, hats on, but there are only like three hours of dark. And so it's like, whoa. Whoa indeed. I was just like, all of y'all would have just terrible sunburns. There's no way. There's no way. And even as a white person, I feel like I would feel uneasy with this level of white people like that. Just out in a field, we've left our car a suspicious distance from where we're going. And we all have to sleep in the same big building. It's a barn. We're sleeping in a fucking barn that they put beds into. What the fuck's with that crying baby? They said that we all raise the babies around here. Then why was no one holding the crying baby all night? Ask me the baby. Just my put God. It in my bed. Oh we, my God. Yeah, we don't have um a way to strap that baby to our bodies. Like yeah. you know what I mean? Walk around. We can't, we can't take shifts in a fucking rocking chair or something. Yeah. This baby just screaming. Yeah. Don't make that baby scream it out like that. If we're if we're a community, let's be a fucking community. Yeah. Take care where of this those, baby. Where are those ladies that sway and sing with the baby? Jesus. <laughs> Honestly. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I still say, though, I know we both said it already. Haley would get me. I would I would be in this cult. I don't know how long it would last in the cult, but, like, if it was heavy on the Pele and light on the, the other stuff. <laughs> the murder. I didn't even mean the murder part. I just meant, like, if you see me crying in like next to the barn Um, don't come up behind me and like start screaming crying too like no gotta keep it quiet um the inhale exhales that they do kind of creep me out i won't lie 
Yeah, that that might have to be toned down a smidge. But the other stuff, I mean, I guess if we get to pick the people we're bringing and I can do some research and bring like real turds home, then yeah, it might be fine. Not so, a fan of if I hit 72 and I'm still thriving that they're going to be like, ah, that's it. I will say I looked it up and uh, the current average life expectancy in the United States is only 79, which is honestly a lot older than I thought it would be. I don't feel like a lot of us live that old here. And so I'm just like, damn, am I even going to make it to 72? Will I have to jump off a cliff? You know, I don't know if I could make myself do it, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Can someone push me? Can someone give me some of that tea? And do I have to die via cliff? Although there is like, apparently there are like Swedish stories of potentially um, elderly people either flinging themselves off cliffs or being pushed. Some people say it's bullshit. Some people say they saw it in some research. Who's to say? Well, and like you said, why does it have to be a cliff? Why can't you just like no. <laughs> delicately kill me? You don't and I definitely to. think that was that man's family who bled you afterwards. And apparently they made that as like a replica of a giant hammer thing they saw in like a museum or something. So That's it gross. was, uh, yeah, I know. Um, and speaking of like the ritual aspects, so the things that were taken from like real Swedish folklore, because like Ari Aster also said, he's like, this is not Swedish history. This is Swedish folklore. <laughs> like these are stories. Right. And so like like with like the elderly thing, that is a lot of people in Sweden say that that is just a myth. And that wasn't something that happened. This ritual of older people dying or like killing themselves in that way. Um, but it's definitely part of like folklore. And so um, the uh, story around the dance is kind of inspired by this one story, um, the walking backwards and picking the flowers. Um, there's this thing of, I think they say you like put it under your pillow and then you'll dream of the person that is going to like be who you fall in love with or whatever. Yeah. So the flower thing. Um, and then, oh, just like the, the nights of like, once you get to midsummer, those are considered like magical and like important nights um yeah so some of the things that were in the movie were taken from like you know swedish folklore or like swedish rituals oh and the fish too the salted herring eating that for good luck that was gross how they put it in just ass first on her though yeah why yeah and i i think that part of it is like that people probably spit it out that you basically just end up tasting it but yeah why are you trying to put the whole fish in my mouth can you actually cook it and we just eat it like i would eat yeah. a fish and again, I'm on so many drugs and y'all have covered me in these flowers. I am mm -hmm. overwhelmed. Give me a second. Stop trying to shove fish in my mouth and yeah. do all this shit. Like I just that's cooked where that, my boyfriend in a barn. I know. And that's where that culty vibe really comes in. Cause you see the different ways they're trying to break down like the self, right? They're trying to do like ego breakdown because they're trying to value like the group over the individual. So like how they talk about babies are taken from like the mother has to go on like a pilgrimage or whatever for a while and then come back so that the baby, like, so there's a detachment from your own baby and, um, you know, the way that they're all supposed to communally like feel their emotions or whether it's, you know, these sex rituals or all screaming together or whatever, and so, you know, yeah, they're really, we're seeing part of the ways in which it really is culty. And I remember that I'd watched these TikToks, um, from two women who had previously been in, um, cults. I will figure out what their names are and I'll put it in the notes, but, um, basically they, they were rating some like cult media and they said that Midsummer was extremely accurate for like getting someone into a cult. Well, I hate that.
I know because again, it would get us. That one would get us. Oh, I guess I would definitely. And I think the, uh, not just like the logistics of being isolated of like not being able to leave and all that, but the feeling of obligation of that you have to stay because you don't want to be rude. You know, yeah. that would probably also keep me not just Pele being hot, but, uh, and the, the logistic, I, I know you said that, like, it's not just that, but like whenever he was like, Oh, we just have one truck. I was like, um, no. Yeah. There's like no. 50 of y'all that live in this little community you have one truck that's a two-seater fuck that yeah what absolutely not no I did not care for that um and I also found it so interesting how once Danny found out that he was going and I guess he like invites her but doesn't invite her and she ends up going I guess it just worked out that she had a passport that was up to date and she had i guess the disposable income to do this because like it's not as if pele was like i am i am wealthy i'm a wealthy swede (laughs) i'm gonna pay for all of you to come home with me just so i could murder all of you like that is not a very cost effective um setup that he would have going on so it's just like huh i know that those are just details that they don't obviously include in any type of movie but those are the things that my brain just holds on to of like how does she pay to go over there did she already have a passport like these things matter just like in serendipity when she somehow gets through tsa onto an airplane with her friend's wallet and driver's license yeah just as it is. Sense. movie magic can only go so far people exactly um so i wanted um to throw out a couple more just things that i thought were interesting in the movie um there are only three scenes that are not in the daytime in the sun. Um, so the initial death scene in the beginning, the dream scene with Danny and the scene where Josh goes into the temple are the only night scenes. There's an, there's an additional scene or two that take place at night in the director's cut. I haven't watched the director's cut, but I watched the scenes that are put into the director's cut. It's basically just some of the violence was cut and a couple, like there's a scene where like they almost drown this kid um, in probably whatever ceremonial way that Connie was drowned. Um, and so there's a couple of scenes that were cut. So actually, so it could go from an NC 17 rating to an R. Um, and so some of the more graphic violence was taken out, but, um, yeah, but as far as the, the theatrical cut, um, that we watched, um, there are only three scenes that take place at night. Um, but there is no shot of the sun directly in the film, only in the trailer. Hmm. I never noticed mm-hmm. that. Never noticed that. Yeah, and the film has a, a really heavy private presence of yellow and blue. Um, I don't really know what all was meant by that, or maybe that was just the aesthetic that they wanted. But I kind of wondered if like yellow was supposed to mean like something maybe like ceremonial, and then blue as like death, um, because it seemed like the characters that were marked by death in some way, either Danny because of her tragedy and because she gets to choose someone's death later, and the characters who die, a lot of them are wearing blue. And then the two people who kill themselves are wearing blue, like, um, tunics, dresses, I don't know, (laughs) um, gowns. And then, um, yeah, so it seems like when death is happening, there's a lot of blue, but it seemed like when there were like traditional or ceremonial things, there were a lot of yellow. And then weirdly, her sister Terry was wearing yellow when she died. Interesting. I don't know if any of that meant anything, but I did notice there was a lot of yellow and blue. Yeah. Yeah, I did like how colorful everything was. 
I appreciated that. It wasn't, um, and I also couldn't tell at certain points if whenever she's the May Queen and they have all the flowers on her, are those real flowers? Are they fake ones, do you think? Um, I think they were fake because I know that the midsummer dress was for sale because Ariana Grande tried to buy it and wasn't able to. <laughs> she failed to purchase the dress. She apparently had a midsummer themed 27th birthday, according to IMBD Trivia. What a fascinating bit of information you just it's, told me. That's apparently unexpected. One of, it was unexpected for me too. Apparently it's one of her favorite movies. Interesting. Um, also, there are um, a couple of cool, like, little facts that I learned. Um, so, you know, the uh, we've talked about it many times, the birthday portrait that Pele gives Danny. Um, I know there are two runes that are under her on that picture, and those are the same runes that are on the dress she wears in the dance scene. Everyone's clothes have, like, personal, like, have runes and and other markings on them that like are for that specific character like the clothes that they made for all the cast um and so the dress that we see danny wearing when she's dancing has the same runes that pele put on her picture and aren't the runes the like the love things that you put under their bed yeah, yeah they also had runes on that too runes are like there's a variety of uh things they're just kind of like symbols um it's kind of like a like a language and so um yeah we see uh Maja put runes on something that she puts under um christian's bed i think at one point and you see her like holding it um she's really going for it do we think that he was under a love spell I feel like he would say that he was, mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he would be that guy to be like, no, you don't like, get it. They no, put it a pube magic. in my pie. Like it, it overtook me and it's like, oh, okay. Another thing with that scene is that um, the actor, Jack Rayner, who plays Christian, he heavily advocated for his own full frontal nudity because he talked about how in horror movies he had noticed, you know, how often women are, you know, stripped of their clothing or are maybe in humiliating scenes when they're nude. He apparently had recently watched Last House on the Left. I was like, good Lord. Um and so anyways, um, he said that he, it was important to him for his character in that scene when his character is obviously, you know, freaking out um, to be completely naked. He was originally supposed to run out still wearing the robe, um, but he said that he oh. thought it was important for his character to be specifically um, exposed and vulnerable and naked. Yeah, I mean, his dangle was flapping. He was really running, you know. Yeah, it was like slapping his thigh. It yeah. Really, yeah. Yeah, it was aggressive. Good for him. Good for, him. Good. <laughs> Good for everybody. Um, Danny's character, her last name is Ardor, which is Latin for flame. Oh. I know. You see her last name in the emails with her sister. Um, also, so the like funny, one of the uh, funny things that Mark says is about his um, like fear of, of ticks. He's freaking yeah. out about bugs. Apparently that was inspired by Ari Aster himself. So he's kind of like making fun of himself. He was also really scared of bugs. And he, while filming this movie, had two sets of socks that were up over his pants because oh he was scared, like in all of like the tall grass and stuff of ticks. God, Lyme disease, it'll get you. It'll get you. It is a yeah. scary thing. But yeah, that is really funny that he's just like <laughs> so concerned. Uh, what is your, I'm scared to ask what the ranking system is for this after we got wet little kumquats for the last one. What is the ranking system for Midsummer? 
Um, that would be hollowed out bears. Yuck. <laughs> and Yuck. one more thing before the rating, I just wanted to uh, point out something cool. Um, that bes- so there are nine total people that are put, you know, in the little flame house there at the end. Um, and uh four of them are chosen outsiders. Four of them are chosen people, you know, of Harga. And then the, you know, the last one, you know, Danny chose, um, but the four outsiders that were chosen, um, you can see them representing, uh, the four elements in nature, which is kind of Mm. cool. Um, because, uh, Simon could be considered, um, well, air because, you know, the way he's all open with his lungs and such. Um, Connie, water, she was drowned. Josh, you see his foot sticking out of a garden. He was buried, so earth. And then um, Mark, because he was stuffed full of hay and lit on fire, fire. Oh. So anyways, I thought that was interesting. That is interesting. I definitely did not notice that. I did notice how much uh, Mark's, body looked like an actual little like rag doll you know because they had that silly hat on him with the bells and the guy who picked him up he really flung that thing around yeah yeah and he like propped him up on his little hay bale and I was like oh that's kind of cute like a little scarecrow (laughs) so um I'll go ahead and say for me um I know that there are things about this film that um like there are definitely things to criticize about this film for it checking my boxes and being one of my favorite good for her films. It's, it's a five out of five hollowed out bears for me. Um, I just, I really love this movie. And honestly, this is the cult that would get me like only one of the four sections of your life. You're even expected to work like their alternative for capitalism. It might get me Pele drawing those pictures definitely would get me. Um, I do recognize this is a cult. This is a scary white people cult like Northern, Northern Europe white. And so like, yeah, I get that it's a cult, but it's the one that would get me. And I've watched this movie. I don't even know how many times and I love it. I feel like you probably watched it. Like you said, a hundred times, if not more. I've, I, it's, it's definitely a comfort movie for me. What is, what, what, a what a statement that that is. Every time you've said that to me, I'm just like, whoa, goodness. We have different definitions of what a comfort movie is. Um, <laughs> I would say for me, again, going off of knowing that I don't, I'm generally not going to rewatch any scary movie that is not one that has a big element of like campiness or I've just seen it so many times that I'm like desensitized to it. I'm not there yet with Midsummer. That being said, though, I would give this probably like a 4.5 out of 5. Um, I will rewatch it anytime if someone like suggests that we watch it, I will happily watch it. It is not something that I'm going to sit down and be like, what to watch? Ooh, I'll put on <laughs> Midsummer. No, I was still creeped out watching it. And again, like I always say, it's a little too long. Like there are definitely a couple points when I'm watching this where I'm like, I need to take a break because I feel like this has been on for seven hours and it's just, I mean, it's not that long. It's two and a half hours, but still that's long. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think that's always the hardest thing for me is just how much longer a horror movie can be than a rom-com. You're not really going to see too many of those that are pushing maybe like a hundred minutes, 115, but they're not going to go more than like 
two I don't know we say that when Harry Met Sally was definitely over two hours it was like two hours movie and five was minutes too long however long it was was too long yeah but yes I would say four and a half out of five hollowed out bears also I just want to say can you imagine how hot that would feel getting inside that no just no. like just sweltering just how hot it must be they just scooped all the guts out and then they're just bloop, plopping you in there like a little nesting doll sick Sick. absolutely sick um sick. so that was our good for her episode about girls being the um getting to live out their fantasy um Ari Aster even said that you know going into Halsingrad um the men are the ones that think this is going to be some fairy tale for them but in the end it was only a fairy tale for Danny and wow perfect so leaving these fairy tales and going into the next episode, the next episode, we're talking about movies where girls talk to each other and it's a lot of girls talking to each other and they go on trips and it's, you know, it's wild. Um, so we're doing an episode about sisterhood. It is a double feature, double feature of sisterhood of the traveling pants, part one and two and the descent part one and two. So it will be a double feature, double feature, probably a two part episode can't wait and that will be um next week um yeah thanks for joining us for episode four of i'll show you mine bye bye y'all